0: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is... Thursday, September 1st. Woohoo! It's almost officially fall, even though it's still like 80 degrees here, very hot. But <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to start wearing flannels, start wearing leggings. Actually, I never stopped wearing leggings. Like who am I kidding? <laughs> and it's, for you well, it's
1: spring. Yeah, officially first day of spring yesterday here. Um very you excited and Actually, yes, it actually got warm-ish on schedule, but it's back to cold, colder today. So anyway, I'm glad it's here. Up and on, upwards and onwards from here, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and you posted that seems like Elmo or an oh, Elmo my impersonator goodness. has returned. Well, one of my neighbors has a video where they were yesterday. So, yesterday, the first day of spring, where apparently these echidnas hibernate. Elmo is an echidna for anyone who doesn't know, which is kind of like an Australian hedgehog type thing.
0: It lives but in Olivia's yard. So, we he like did, to chat he about did it. for
1: a long time for months last year. Then we we think he disappeared for winter. But yesterday, first day of spring, I got sent a video of the echidna walking across the road. So I don't know if it's Elmo. It might be. I hope it is. (laughs) <laughs> um, I've, like I, I think I said in one of the other podcasts, it's very rare apparently that you see them a lot. Like one lady said, she's lived here for thirty years and has never seen one. So mm. I think surely the odds are good that it's Elmo. <laughs> it to, and hopefully and he makes his way back to our, <laughs> makes his way back to our yard. Daisy probably isn't as fussed now. She's got little Donnie to play with. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I'll have to let her know. Have to let her know to get ready. <laughs> How has <laughs> for her the, little play date?
0: How's the puppy life? But I wonder if uh donnie will like elmo
1: he and the thing is donnie like because we've got like we've got a bit of a zoo here so we've got rabbits like pet rabbits as well and he because he's always grown up with them he loves them whereas when we got daisy we got the rabbits after her so she doesn't love them as much as a friend i think she loves them more as food Mm. (laughs) um she's getting better but he just loves it. So I think that he would love Elmo too. He's good. He's such a good little boy, but he does wake up early. Like he's been waking up at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. and barks to go out. So hopefully he goes out of that soon. But he's so sweet and he's a bit dopey and very docile. <laughs> yeah. But he's beautiful. He's a little sweet thing. He's just a very nice-natured dog. That's good. I feel yes. your pain though, because Peep always demands
0: breakfast somewhere between like three and four a.m. So I oh my gosh, I everyone's like just ignore her and like she'll like learn that she's not getting but she's so relentless. She'll just sit there and go. Meep. Meow, meow. <laughs> and then she'll start, like, poking your face or giving you, like, a little nibble. She's relentless, so it's easier. I just get up whatever friggin' time it is, feed them, go
1: right back to bed. Oh, my gosh. Daisy's good. Like, she was – because we have crate trained those two dogs, so she will stay in the crate till we let her out. Like, she's great, but, um, yeah, Donnie hasn't learned that yet. <laughs> yeah. It's like having well, a newborn. At least he's not, like, a nightmare, I guess. <laughs> no. And it, yeah, he's good. Like, I shouldn't complain. That's his only – little demanding thing that he does so no he's good um
0: all right well today we're going to talk about two missing women alanya lenore and alexis where and then after we finish talking about their stories we have a few updates to talk about um one is that the there's been some more drama controversy with kylie rodney's case so we're gonna talk about that a little bit cause everyone is very interested in it on instagram had a lot to say about it Um, And then they also identified another one of the Jane Doe's that we spoke about in our last Jane Doe episode, the Artesia Jane Doe. So she was the one that had, we thought, maybe like the witch's costume, um, but they did finally identify her. So we will talk about that as well at the end of the episode.
1: Yeah, the identification literally was only made public yesterday. So it's a very new update and very out of the blue. Like, you know, I feel like sometimes they came out of nowhere. Yeah, like they say, oh, we, we have identified this. You know, this door, like there was nothing. It was literally this, this is it now. Like it was very, very, yeah, very out of the blue.
0: Yeah. And so it being like they identified this person, it was like we arrested someone and identified the person. We're like, oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So we'll get into that after these two cases, but we're going to start off with Alanya
2: Lenore. Alani, Lenore, Fruity, Cece, all names to describe a beloved 24-year-old from Douglasville. People who are seeing this, don't stop saying my daughter's name. Alani was last seen at a friend's place at the 1660 Luxury Apartments on Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta, but that was a week ago.
3: Now try to imagine yourself not hearing from your loved one for that length amount of time. It's a nightmare.
2: Friends and family tell CBS 46 that Atlanta police are investigating the disappearance as suspicious. This is not her behavior. She would not leave, you know, for no reason. There's no reason. So that's why we know she had to have been taken. So her parents are pleading with the people who have her.
3: We ask you to please allow us to see our daughter again. Allow us to know the outcome of her well-being.
2: And they have a direct message for Alani.
3: Alani, if you can hear me, Your mother and your father, we love you very much, and we will not stop until you are found. This is not the end of your story. This is only
2: the beginning. Please fight. Keep fighting.
0: All right, so Alanya, she is a 24-year-old woman, and she went missing on July 30th, 2022, from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, she goes by the nickname Fruity, so sometimes you see people post about her, they'll say Fruity
1: a lot, but that's that's Alanya. Just There's so. a hashtag I think to finding Fruity.
0: Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people just refer to her as Fruity Online, her friends and family. So this info about her comes from the GoFundMe that's been set up by her family. Just a little info about her. It says, Alanya is a beacon of light. She's respectful, always happy, the life of any gathering, amazingly talented, fluent in Spanish, and a great singer, cook, and caregiver. Above all, she truly loves her family, and we love her more than anything. So a nice description of her. Um, Her parents are Jeanette Jenkins and Abraham Lenore. They spoke to the media about Alanya, and they said that she is a sweet, loving, adventurous young woman who loves to cook. She's bilingual. She has dreams of going to culinary school, and she really wants to open a food truck. Um, Her dad said she has her whole life ahead of her. So on July 30th, 2022, Alanya and a friend traveled to Atlanta together. They had plans to meet up with two men named Deontay Reynolds and Stephen O'Boyd. Um, think that's how you say it it's
1: o-b-o-i-t-e i'm gonna go with a boyt maybe sounds like a nigerian or an african last name
0: yeah um and just for people a side note the pronunciation police are like uh, like look it up like if you don't know it's not easy to just look up last names or how people say (laughs) their last names and any like i feel like anytime we
1: look it up there's 10 different Different ways anyway so yeah
0: yeah and I've seen other podcasts like say the same things of like, I'm sorry, we pronounce stuff wrong sometimes. Listen, you don't get it until you have a podcast and you have random people yelling at you. <laughs> so listen, we do our best. That's all we do. <laughs> uh, we do try to look it up. So sometimes it is what it is. Anyways, um, it seems like there's footage that shows Alanya and the friend entering the Peachtree Midtown apartment complex on that day. And it looks like a pretty nice place to live. Um They're called luxury apartments on Peachtree in Midtown. The website describes them as, well, it says on the website, discover the captivating combination of sophisticated style and modern energy at 1660 Peachtree Apartments in Midtown. Um, There's pictures. They look pretty modern. Nice. There's a pool. Um, Doesn't seem like it was like a sketchy place to be or anything like that. Um, So Alanya is seen on CCTV from there around 8 p.m. Alania's friend that she went there with, they said that they went there to, quote, chill with the two men, you know, just hanging out, chilling, (laughs) whatever. Um,
1: And they were reportedly drinking alcohol, according to them. So we did actually get a message to the Instagram, which I haven't really been able to verify, but the person seemed to know a lot about this case. And they said that Alania and her friend could have possibly been exotic dancers, Mm -hmm. um, which was why they were going to the apartment It's not verified in any articles, but I feel like that it makes sense with kind of how the story goes and why the friends maybe been a little bit reluctant to come forward and talk with police.
0: Yeah, and I haven't been able to see like a real answer on if they were like friends with these guys or if it was people they really knew well
1: yeah and if, and if they were there for work if they were exotic dancers that kind of yeah that, i i agree like maybe they didn't know them at all this was the first time that they'd met it's it's things those kind of details haven't been made public um yeah. and haven't been confirmed but i just wanted to add that in because i feel like it makes sense to the story
0: yeah um So there's more CCTV footage of Alanya's friend leaving the apartment around midnight, but Alanya herself is never seen leaving the apartment and she hasn't been seen at all since going into the apartment that night. Jeanette, Alanya's mom, she said four people were seen going into the unit, but only three came out. Her mother also said that the Atlanta police aren't sure what happened to Alanya after her friend left. She said, all I know is that they said she was ID'd coming in, but not coming out. So I guess- visitors they have like maybe like a front desk situation where you have to check in
1: yeah or maybe they just even mean on the CCTV they could <clears throat> identify her yeah that's definitely her going in but they could never see her coming out that was my oh, thought yeah that yeah. probably makes sense <laughs> I don't think her, the friend's name's been made public or anything right well no it definitely hasn't been made public the same person who sent me the message about the exotic dancing said the friend yeah, who it was is Tori I don't know the last name um but apparently it's a female called Tori mm. Um, so
0: according to Alania's father who spoke with the friend, he said, the friend said, yeah, we were fine. Everything was okay. I mean, I left and Alania was fine. And then the mom, this was like in an interview, so they were kind of speaking conversationally. The mom, Jeanette said, were you guys drinking? Were you guys partying? What's up? And she said, so she is in the friend. No, I would, I would have never left her. And the mom was like, well, why'd you leave her? So seems like she's giving vague answers to the family.
1: Yeah, I guess if you read a little bit more into that, maybe she means I would never have left her if I thought something yeah. was going to happen or if I was worried about her. So I, like, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of a pieces of conversation.
0: Yeah, that's why it was a little weird to read.
1: I'm begging to please just keep her name. My daughter's name was Alani Is Alani Lenore. (laughs) And her friends knew her as Fruity.
0: A mother trying to stay
2: optimistic. Her 24 year old daughter, Alani Lenore, missing since July 30th. Last seen on surveillance entering this Atlanta apartment building with a female friend around 8 p.m. The friend told police they were going there to chill. They met two men inside an apartment and they were all drinking. Lenore's father says surveillance shows that friend leaving around midnight, but no sign of Alani.
3: She said, "Yeah, we were we were fine. Everything was okay. I mean, I I I left and uh, Alani was fine." They keep saying she's missing,
2: and she's not missing. She's been taken. Those are facts. Somebody knows where she is.
0: So Alani's parents have said that the friend and the two men are, have been given conflicting accounts of what happened that night. We haven't seen what those accounts are. It has been made public, but that's just coming from her family. Um, her dad told CNN that he suspects his daughter was abducted. Um, police took more than a week to search the apartment. Officers also initially told the family that they were treating her disappearance as a runaway situation. Um, her dad said we're very concerned parents there was a lack of urgency that was placed on this case at the beginning so yeah, it always sucks when it's deemed kind of like a runaway situation at the start um i hate when that happens i don't know if it's like they had information to make them think that could have been a possibility but i don't know it seems to happen
1: too frequently really
0: yeah and a lot of times they, they're they not a runaway no So her parents started a GoFundMe to raise funds to pay for a private investigator in the case. And at the time of recording, they've raised around $20,000. And they um, retained private investigator T.J. Ward. He worked on the Natalie Holloway case in Aruba in 2005, so a pretty big deal. Seems like he probably knows what he's doing. The P.I., T.J. Ward, he said, We need to work from that apartment complex, work our way out to see if there's any evidence. He said, I have cadaver dogs. I have drones. I have resources to assist me in trying to locate her. So if you Google Deontay Reynolds, who is one of the men that they met with that night, um, one of the first things that pops up about him is his mugshot. He was arrested in 2020. Um, It says he was convicted for possession of a weapon or convicted felon possession of a weapon. The private investigator also mentioned this in an article with News Nation. He said, she's not in the apartment. I know there are two individuals who might be called suspects now, and one of them is on probation in Rockdale County, Georgia. We're looking into those two individuals along with law enforcement and trying to find what may have transpired. So do we really know what he was arrested for?
1: or just that well yeah no as far as I, like that's all I could find in terms of his booking sheet and things like that but yeah basically he was in, and but I'm assuming if he's a convicted felon he yeah like he's already has, a felon yeah so no I can't find anything else and it hasn't really been publicized what else he was arrested for prior hmm. Uh, let's welcome in TJ Ward, the private investigator now on this case. He has worked some of the nation's biggest missing persons cases, including, as you heard there, the Natalie, Natalie Holloway case back in 2005. TJ, I appreciate your time tonight. Where do you start on a case like this?
3: Thank you very much for having me. First of all, um, we, we have to look at who was involved. We have to work our way out with people that were with her, witnesses that may know. This is a uh, uh, not an ordinary missing persons case because we have no idea where she is. I mean, I have access to aerial support, cadaver dogs, um, drones, and the problem with this is we don't know where to lo- start to look, and I guess we're going to have to work our way out from the apartment where she was, and we we have no idea. We know there was two men involved. One of them has we know of has a criminal history and the other uh, person we're already looking into the the best way to start working on these type cases like this and the unknown is to start looking at people and witnesses somebody's going to talk somebody's said something about where she is and we have to find that person and hope they come out maybe they'll talk to me more than they would talk to law enforcement i don't know but we have just got into this uh, about a week ago. Through the the father uh, contacted me through his, um, his their lawyer, um, his company he works for, and we're going to take this ball and run. My hopes to meet with law enforcement uh, soon and uh, try to share some information to them sharing with me. Uh, I'm a former law enforcement officer, 47 years, and in hopes that. Um, keeping things quiet and that's probably why law enforcement hasn't spoken to anybody about this because the confidentiality of information that they're developing and the leads they're getting is is good but they can't let that out they can't let people know who they're talking to or what they found that's super important but as soon as we can um, establish who may know something or who may talk that's going to be the importance of this type of case because we have no idea how she left or where she is or who's with her other than these two men that we know about already. And I'm sure law enforcement is looking at them very closely.
0: Um, So Alanya's father has spoken about what he believes may have happened. He said the least of the evil is that she was trafficked and somebody took her because that then gives us the opportunity to try to find her. Her mother believes that Alanya may have been quote, moved to Columbus or Upson County, Georgia, which again would refer to probably trafficking, like moving them around. Jeanette, the mom, she said, we've had a lot of tips. Luckily, the media has helped just the circulation of the situation. It has allowed for people to give tips that she may have been moved or these were people or these people were involved in something directly between the time she came up missing.
1: When they said moved, I assumed it was her body that was moved. Hmm. But anyway, we can talk about that at the end in theories.
0: Her father said in an interview, know that your mother and I are going to continue to look for you until we find you. So just hang on. Continue to hang on. Jeanette is urging anyone with information to speak up. Um, She said if she's out there, even if it's just her body, it's important that if she was moved, if they see if they see them moving something, if something is suspicious about these people in that area. Weird sounds. But yeah, the way she said it there makes it sound like that. That's like weird to just automatically
1: assume that. But I guess, like my reasoning, my like, I th- my personal theory on what happened is that something happened to Alania in that apartment. Either she was murdered, or she died of maybe, say, an overdose, or some type of accidental death. And they are covering it up, and that is the reason why she was not seen leaving the apartment because they've put her into a car. Yeah um that would be like essentially I I figure there's two options or three options I guess she's either still in the complex somewhere that they haven't found which I think is probably unlikely now um the other option is that they've put her in a car and either trafficked her or moved her body and then what was I even going to say the third option was that might be maybe that was the two
0: I wonder how many cameras are in these like luxury apartment buildings because even if, say, she passed away in the apartment for whatever reason, they still to get her body out of the apartment. Like, was there, is there cameras in the elevator? Is there a camera in the stairs? Like, they would have had to – they couldn't just carry her out. I'm assuming they'd have to
1: put her in a bag or – Well, that's that was actually going to be my third option. It's just come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds me a bit of Heidi Plank in terms of maybe they have disposed of her body in some way through the trash – I don't know. I don't know what kind of trash system there is, but I know that is a theory about what happened to Heidi Plank, that she did die of an overdose and her body was put in the trash chute. So it could be something along those lines. Yeah, um, there has to be some way for her to have been moved from the apartment, obviously without her walking out. So
0: yeah, it would seem like. <laughs>
1: I guess if they did traffic her, like I, I, when when her mother was speaking about her being moved, I really just assumed that she ter- in meant in terms of her body being moved. But I guess they could have drugged her, put her in a car and trafficked her in terms of taking her to those other areas. That is definitely a possibility.
0: Yeah, I only thought of it like once she elaborated on the quote, it sounded like she meant moving her body. But I only thought of the trafficking thing because when the um, people who were the investigators who were involved with Corinna's case, they referred to, like, her being moved to, like, different areas or different states to be, like, prostituted. Such just what made me think of that.
1: So there is some information. There is a second GoFundMe as well, which has only raised $900. I feel like this is maybe – um well, it is a different one to the one that her parents have for a GoFundMe. It's organised by someone who doesn't have the same last name. goes on about her disappearance and then it says, there is footage of her entering but never leaving. Alania lives at home with her mother and siblings. She is extremely involved with and well loved by her family and everyone realized very quickly that something was wrong. It took 10 days after she disappeared for a search warrant to be issued and apparently the two men were seen moving out and cleaning the, lo- the apartment that says the location the hmm. day after her publicly announced disappearance. That's sketchy. So, yeah that's very sketchy. Um, so the Instagram for Alania is finding fruity. If you want to, you can look that up. I'll put that put it in the blog and the show notes anyway. They do have kind of a vigil and a search for her every weekend at the moment. It's in Piedmont Park. Um, so if you check out the Instagram and follow it, you'll find details of that. If you are in the area and you'd like to join, there is just very little information on this case. When I said that we were going to cover it, a few people were like, "Oh wow, that's great!" And I, but I just feel there is just not much that's public. Um, no, it's very. And I mysterious. guess the family might not know anything else to share. Like if these guys aren't talking, if they've moved out, we don't know where they are. Um, it's just a very. And if it's not people that she's hung out with before. Yeah, exactly. Like I figure they might, and it also seems like the police aren't being super proactive in searching and, you know, in, with their handling of the case. So that makes things difficult as well.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they know anything else about it. But, I mean, even if she ran away, they would have had to see her leaving the apartment building.
1: Yeah. I really, I feel like this, yeah, there's something foul play. I figure it has to be some type of foul play in this situation. I really don't think she left by herself for whatever reason. I feel like these two men probably hold the key to whatever happened to her. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll put a missing poster up so you can have a look at, alania you know alania's stats and if you think that you've seen her but it says missing from atlanta since 7 30 22 age 24 black female long black hair she's five foot four and 120 pounds with brown eyes so if there's any updates by the time this episode comes out we'll put in a clip here yeah i've just had a look while we're recording there aren't any new articles the last one was six days ago which was the news nation one that we mentioned um Yeah. Like there are a few articles, all of them have the same basic information. There's just not a lot to go off yet. Yeah. So the second case we're going to discuss today is the case of missing woman Alexis Ware. Alexis was 29 when she vanished on January 30, 2022. She was last seen at a 7-Eleven in Anderson County, North Carolina.
2: As Travis Ware scrolls through pictures of his big sister Alexis... HE SAYS HE CAN'T HELP BUT THINK BACK TO THE DAYS LEADING UP TO HER DISAPPEARANCE. SHE KEPT THINKING that SHE WASN'T GOING TO MAKE IT TO HER 30th BIRTHDAY. THEN A SERIES OF CONCERNING FACEBOOK POSTS. THEY WERE KIND OF NOT HER NORM uh, BUT EVENTUALLY THEY WERE DELETED. Unusual behavior for the aspiring social media model known for her style and big personality.
3: Alexis is the life of the party.
2: Which is why Travis is still so puzzled by what happened on January 30th. That afternoon, Alexis met up with her son's father at the 7 Eleven off Highway 29 in Anderson, South Carolina, about 30 minutes from her home in Greenville. There, he buys her gas and then Alexis loads their two year old son and her nine year old daughter in his car. All captured on surveillance video, not yet publicly released. Travis says investigators let him watch it and nothing looks out of the ordinary. Until after the two drive off, Alexis starts following her son's father to another location, but then abruptly speeds off. Then she vanishes. The next day, worry her phone is going to voicemail and no one can reach her. Another day passes and the family files a missing person report with the
1: Anderson County Sheriff's Office. If you Google Alexis or have a look at her social media, she's got a really large following. She's got 30K followers on both her Facebook and her Instagram. She was very active on both platforms right up until she vanished. Alexis's younger brother, Travis Ware, spoke to NBC about his sister and he said, "'My big sister, Alexis, she's the life of the party. I love to say that. Anywhere she goes, she just lights up the room first and foremost. Before she's the makeup artist, hairstylist, before any of that, she's a mother and she loves her two kids, my niece and nephew.'" That was her pride and joy and so she was a mother before anything, but she truly was this, the light that shines anywhere she went. Alexis's mother's name is Alberta and she said that Alexis is a hairstylist who loves fashion and doing makeup. She also said Alexis has a great personality. She had several appointments set up to do photo shoots. She wants to do Instagram modeling. She was going to build her platform with that. And Travis also said, she's always been supportive and kind. She's just the person that wants to help everyone. Every, everything that came with being a big sister, that was her. She always supported me and my career and she always encouraged me. So there's a cute photo of Alexis and her two kids, which I'll put up on the blog. But the little girl was aged nine and the little boy was two when Alexis disappeared. So still very young. So January 30 was the day that Alexis went missing and that was a Sunday. Her mother has said that Alexis had been hanging out with the family all weekend, but that something was off. She said, it wasn't the Alexis that we were used to. I knew that something was going on with her and something was freaking her out. There's a really great article, Dateline article. A lot of this information comes from there and they've also done a podcast on their Missing in America series on Alexis if you want to check it out but Alberta told Dateline that Alexis was crying about her upcoming 30th birthday, and this is a quote. She said stuff like she didn't feel she was going to make it to see her birthday. Alberta thought this was really out of character because Alexis had always made a really big deal about birthdays. She said that's big for her. Well, you know, months in advance, she got her birthday outfit together, she would have her shoes together and how she's going to style her hair, but this year she hadn't done anything, which does seem unusual, especially for a kind of milestone 30th birthday
0: yeah, like you'd be planning weeks in advance.
1: If you just loved birthdays any you know any year, you'd think for a big birthday, you'd be yeah very organized. yeah, so the day before she disappeared was saturday january twenty nine Alexis told Alberta that she'd been followed. Alberta said she sat here and she cried. She wasn't telling me exactly what was going on. That particular Saturday, she kept getting a phone call all day. She didn't know who it was, and she was like, "Look, look, how is this number getting through? I have it in block. And then she went to her block list and showed me this number in the block list. And when I asked her who it was, she called him the devil, which is weird because if she doesn't know who he he is, how is he the devil?
3: Yeah. That's that's a bit of a
1: conflicting statement. So Alberta also spoke about Alexis's behavior about the time she disappeared. She said she had just gotten into zodiac signs. She read so much about her zodiac sign and she kept saying that she could see different things that was going to happen. She would tell us to pay attention to the roads. She would tell us to pay attention to certain colors. She even said that a black truck had been following her. So what we do know and what has been confirmed in this case is that Alexis left Alberta and the Kind of Family Weekend at around 12 p.m. on January 30th and she went to her own home. Alberta and Alexis had a video chat that day at around 3 p.m. Alberta said she left at noon and then I called her to check on her at around 3. I saw that she was laying in her bed because I did a video chat. She answered right away and she was laying on the bed taking a nap. She said, "Mom, I'm just so tired. I'm laying down taking a nap and I'll call you when I get up. And that never happened. So Alexis had arranged to meet with the father of her children, a man named TJ Patterson on the night of January 30th. I have seen it reported two different ways that he was the father of both the children and that he may have also just been the father of the youngest child. So I'm not entirely sure which is correct, but he was at least the father of one of her children. They were meeting so Alexis could drop the kids off to him. I was confused about this because what happened was that they met at a 7-Eleven, the kids got into TJ's car and then the plan was for Alexis to follow him back to his mother's house apparently and I wondered why didn't they just then meet at the mother's house? It all seemed like there was these kind of extra steps involved. But right. So Alberta cleared this up via the Missing in America podcast. She said she called him when she got to Anderson and she told him that she was running out of gas. So he asked her if she could make it to the 7-Eleven and he put gas in her car. She gave him the kids. He said that he asked her where she was going and he said that she told him she was coming to my house, as in Alberta's house. It didn't make sense but that's what he told me. So the two met at the 7-Eleven as arranged Alexis put gas in her car and they both kind of pulled out of the 7-Eleven in their separate cars and started to leave. Alexis was following TJ in her vehicle. Alexis didn't follow him for long though. Alberta said she actually shot around him with a high rate of speed and made a quick a quick right at the red light and just took off from there. TJ has said that he tried to call Alexis multiple times to find out what, what happened and where she was going, but that he couldn't get hold of her. TJ then called Alberta to let her know what was going on, and Alberta then tried to call Alexis, but the calls went straight to voicemail. Alberta said, I tried calling her right then, while her cell phone was going straight to voicemail where she had it turned off. So this was all happening the night of January 30th. The family grew increasingly concerned when they couldn't get hold of Alexis, and they filed a missing person report on February 1st, 2022. Alberta has said that there is CCTV footage that confirms everything that TJ has said is in the account that he gave of what happened and it also confirms that Alexis was at the 7-Eleven. Alberta said they actually showed us the footage of the meeting in the 7-Eleven parking lot. Nothing seemed out of the norm at all. And nothing looked suspicious or anything, which I think is interesting because we always assume it's probably going to be the partner or the ex-partner, but yeah. from the sounds of things, TJ's story seems to be true. Yeah, and it was – Nice of him to give her money for gas. Mm. (laughs) So Alexis's family and the police did look into TJ's alibi very early on. Um, One of the detectives said, his alibi and everything checked out. We made all types of efforts to find out where she may have gone or wherever and all of our leads have come up empty-handed. There's a Sergeant Finley who spoke to the media about this case and he said, unfortunately, a lot of the view in the video, as in the CCTV footage from the 7-Eleven, is actually blocked by a tractor trailer that comes into view, but you can see that they're both there in separate vehicles and there doesn't appear to be any struggle or anything or anything that's going on that's bad. The day after her family filed the missing person report, which was now February 2, Alexis's red Honda was found abandoned in a wooded area in McCormick County, South Carolina. It is believed that the car had been there for a few days because it was logging season in the area. The property owner assumed that it was a logging worker's vehicle. The Sergeant Finlay said, it's a heavily wooded area with some trails cut by construction equipment, but it's mostly wooded area. Um, Alberta has said that Alexis wouldn't have been familiar with the area. She would never have been in the place where her car was found because that's an area that's unfamiliar to her. That's my question. Why? She lives in Greenville, South Carolina, which is 30 minutes opposite of Anderson. So I looked it up on Google Maps and the distance between the 7-Eleven and where Alexis's car was found is around 55 miles or a one hour drive. So it does really seem kind of in the middle of nowhere and she had no real reason to be there. Yeah. So in the car, they found Alexis's cell phone, her purse, her ID and a bag of clothing There was also a hair bonnet laying um, outside the car right on the ground. Alexis had been wearing the bonnet when she was at the 7-Eleven. Alberta believes that this points to there being a struggle. She said that right there is enough to say there had to be some kind of scuffle to take place. She also said when she was at the gas station, it was on her head. So if it came off, you know, the first instinct you would do as a woman is to pick it up and put it back on. But she said that the police didn't see that was suspicious. She said they didn't see her walking away from her vehicle, leaving all her personal items and her purse and everything in the car. That's not what a woman would do. So randomly, which this is kind of a weird detail, um, but it's mentioned in a lot of articles, is that Alexis apparently had an appointment at the state lottery office in Augusta, Georgia on the Monday that she disappeared. She clearly never made the appointment, but the lottery tickets were found in her car Alberta said she was going to the main corporate office. I don't know if she had winning tickets or not, but she had several tickets and she had an appointment that she had made to go to the headquarters.
0: That's just weird because like wouldn't anyone like check mm. the tickets that were there to see Afterwards. if like one was a big winner or something because like when you just win a little bit of amount of money like even a couple hundred bucks like I don't remember what the limit is specifically where you have to go to the lottery office but it would have to be a decent amount of money so it's interesting that she yeah, was like- making an appointment to go
1: there otherwise you could just go to a gas station or something to cash them in like I just I have so many questions about that particular detail like did she just tell her mother that she had this appointment um did she really have the appointment like it's just unusual I don't know if it's the same
0: everywhere but it says winnings over ten thousand dollars must be claimed at a claim center
1: or by mail and you would think that if they had the tickets they could just check and see if she had one like like I feel like this could be a very very verifiable part of the story
0: yeah, it's like so weird, and I feel like people are just like glossing over it. Like,
1: did she win like a lot of money, and did someone know that and rob her or something? Like- uh, and I, the other, the other thing is, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in theories we might discuss, maybe Alexis's mental health. So maybe this was part of that. True, true, that's true. Anyway, um, so Alberta told Dateline that authorities said that. Alexis's car had done quite a bit of traveling before it was found abandoned. She said they did give us information that it was seen at an apartment complex in Anderson, South Carolina where the outgoing camera actually caught it. She said they still don't know if it was Alexis driving the vehicle but her car was there. Um, Her car also traveled to Augusta, Georgia during the time. Augusta, Georgia, back to McCormick is 30 miles. So the vehicle traveled at least an hour from Anderson to travel to Georgia and then it ended up in a hunting field in McCormick, South Carolina. And that's a rural area. When I say rural area, it's basically recreational hunting. So very strange place to end up. Mm-hmm. Another, um, Law enforcement officer named Sheriff McBride spoke to Dateline and he said, obviously, her car has been found, you know, several counties over in McCormick County. You know, there's been some other reports where she's potentially gone out of state and that stuff. But with the last footage that we can see, you know, I guess a normal everyday state is leaving the gas station on Highway 29 within Addison County. So that's the 7 So after her vehicle was found, they police searched that surrounding area. They've said they conducted a grid search and went 150 yards into the woods in each direction, which doesn't really seem like a lot to me, but maybe (laughs) I'm just not picturing it right. Um, They did, though, search 220 acres with cadaver dogs and nothing was discovered. The sheriff made this statement. They said this was truly a unified event with all having the same purpose to find Alexis Ware. Please know that while this search ended with negative results, our focus and search continues until Alexis is found and reunited with her family. Sheriff McBride said the area is vast. I think right now it's like a needle in a haystack. We're not exactly sure where to search, where to start until we've developed some more information. So on February 8th, which was six days after her car was found, law enforcement teams searched for eight hours alongside a state law enforcement helicopter. They checked local boat ramps at nearly 700 acres of shoreline, and they also um, asked local boats and fishers to help. Um, The McCormick County Sheriff made a post on social media and said that they had searched Hickory Knob State Park with bloodhounds, but that they found no signs of Alexis or any signs of foul play. This is another random piece for the puzzle as well as the case went on people began to contact her mother alberta to say they knew where alexis was a community advocate named tracy fant said alexis's mother has received numerous messages from a person claiming to know her whereabouts and alberta said i asked to speak to her can you send a picture of her they never put her on the phone even though they said they would i think we've discussed this before but this i feel like happens quite a lot in missing persons cases It actually even Mm -hmm. happened to us when we had remember david gibson smith
0: yeah, like the spammers or contact—they contact with you, and, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and they say, "I I know where." Like they know that someone is missing and that someone is vulnerable. So they say, "I know where." Like in this case, I know where Alexis is. Send, Send us, us money. iTunes gift cards. <laughs> so for some people who aren't kind of across that scam, it might seem promising, but I feel like that was probably just a scammer. I don't think there was much more to that. Yeah. So on March 3, 2022, over a month after she vanished, the FBI got involved. Kevin Wheeler, who's a spokesman for the FBI Columbia Field Office, confirmed their involvement but said, I cannot go into details about the investigative techniques being used. Um, and Sheriff McBride also said, hopefully, you know, our FBI missing person specialist will be able to help shed some more light on more ideas that we can do. Maybe we can come up with something better that will give us a better location or pinpoint an area that we need to focus on. So at the same time the FBI got involved, there was also a case update by the Anderson County Sheriff and what they had done so far. They said they had obtained numerous search warrants for many items of evidence. They'd spent countless hours reviewing and analysing search warrant results. They'd reviewed surveillance footage from last known locations and possible sightings. They'd interviewed Alexis's family members and friends, checked with area hospitals and coroner's office, checked with the TSA for flights that Alexis may have taken, and they've partnered with other law enforcement agencies to conduct large-scale terms. Large scale terms, large scale (laughs) searches. So Alexis's 30th birthday would have been in March. Her family celebrated without her and I know that they had a big cake for her and they also said we had a seafood boil, which is her favourite food. We just tried to make the best of it. We had shirts made with her 30th birthday and a picture of her on it. I did find a very interesting online post where someone has taken the time to summarise all like basically every part of the case that they've come across. I'll link it in the blog if you want to read it. So, this post goes into some information about Alexis's final days before she vanished and then kind of goes on from there. So, it said there is doorbell footage of her coming to a neighbor's home where she is seen holding what looks to be some type of spade for digging in a garden or maybe a cake cutter. She apparently explained that she, quote, did root work both good and bad. And then she began to talk about leaving and moving. Away. So, this was the same week that she went missing. She spent time with her mother and family on the weekend, which we know, and then she returned to her f- apartment where her mother said she was taking a nap. Later on, she apparently called her mother from home to say that a black SUV was at her apartment and that she was in fear. She called the police about the incident and once the police left, she left the apartment with her children. So this is apparently when she went to meet TJ at the gas station. TJ has said that this call was strange and he put Alexis on speaker so that others could hear kind of her state of mind. They suggested that he get his son, which is why I also think that maybe he was just the father of the youngest son. But this Mm. posted, they suggested that he get his son because things were not sounding good with her. He then asked her how much further she would get and told him to meet her at the Seven Eleven. He met her there and put $30 of gas in her tank. Once there, he said he would take not only the son but the daughter, who is from another relationship according to this post. He agreed and she hugged him. He told her he was going to his mother's house and she said that she would follow him there and that's where she – made a quick turn and drove off. One interesting thing about TJ is that apparently he has an ankle monitor, I believe, um, so that his kind of whereabouts on the night were tracked and have, I guess, been verified by law enforcement.
0: The one good time, it's good to have an ankle
1: monitor. (laughs) Yeah, cleared him maybe for now. So there's a lot of details in that that apparently have been gleaned by the poster from different videos that they've watched some of it isn't verified, but I feel like a lot of it sounds like it could very well be true. Mm-hmm. It might point more to Alexis's state of mind at the time that she disappeared. Yeah. So June 30 marked five months since Alexis disappeared. Her family held a candlelight vigil for her. Her aunt Katrina Gray said, "Just prayer and faith in God that she's in that she's okay." And Alberta said, it's been five months, she's still missing, we want her home. She's a mum, she's a daughter. Her kids miss her, they need her. Her mother misses her, we all miss her. So a billboard for Alexis was donated by the Black and Missing Foundation, which is a non-profit organisation that brings awareness to people of colour who are missing across the country. And that Alberta spoke about the billboard and said, just putting it out there, it's giving me hope. It's giving me something to hold on to. Lexi, if you can hear us, we love you. We miss you. We will never stop looking for you. So there is a photo of the billboard. It just says missing Alexis. We're last seen January 30th in Anderson, South Carolina, and then a tip line and the hashtag help us find Alexis. So Alberta and Frank, who's Alexis's father, have said that it makes no sense that Alexis would pick up and run away and leave. Alberta said, you're talking about someone that's on social media all day, every day. She had a large clientele. She had clients coming in from North, North Carolina, Charlotte, Atlanta, Georgia. She had clients all over that will come and get their hair done and everything just ceased. Alberta also said, which is interesting, she had just gotten approved to break her lease and move to Atlanta. Her goal was to open up a boutique because she was into fashion. She wanted to open up her own salon and she had a business license. She had a whole bunch of stuff that you would put in a boutique as far as clothing racks and she'd even started stacking up the shoes and merchandise that she was going to sell. Alberta has said that Alexis had told her that she was worried for the safety of her children. She actually said to me, according to Alberta, Mum, I don't know what I would do if something happens to me and my kids is in the car with me. So Alberta said that when she found out Alexis had met up with TJ, she understood why. She said she did what mothers would do. She separated herself from the kids because she felt like she was in danger. So motherly instinct, she protected the kids. Alberta also said she would never leave her kids. This is how I know something was wrong. She would just never have left her kids, and this is the longest her children have been without her. From what I've read, I don't think that Alexis's family believed TJ was involved in this case. Alberta said the reason I feel that I have that he has nothing to do with it because I know the conversations that me and my daughter would have and she would call him a creepy man. So I think in terms of that is the man that she believed was following her not TJ was the creepy man. Yeah, like she
0: would have just said TJ.
1: Yeah. So there's a creepy man who's kind of separate to TJ. And then Alberta also said the fact that Alexis thought she was being followed, I don't think TJ did any of that. So Dateline asked the Sheriff McBride if a person of interest had been identified in the case. And he said, It would be hard for me to say that we've identified any particular person of interest or a suspect at this time. We're just trying to figure out where Alexis is. And we hope and pray that she's alive and just doesn't want to be found for the moment or whatever that case may be. So that is kind of up to date for Alexis's case as of early September 2022. It's a very strange one with lots of different little details that are unusual and a little bit you know, different to what we usually hear.
0: Yeah. And it's been a while now. It's not like a super, super recent one where it has been been for a long time. Yeah. I don't,
1: I, I don't really know if I have a really strong theory about what happened to Alexis. I do feel like there seems to be a lot of strange behavior going on prior to her disappearance it could have been true maybe she was really being followed but I do have to wonder if maybe that she was suffering a mental health episode yeah I was saying to you before it
0: kind of reminds me of Daniel Robinson where just they noticed like he started acting more and more erratically and kind of strange and then he just disappeared
1: yeah and even the things like the lottery ticket you know she was getting ready to break her lease um like there she seems like a lot going on. Yeah, there was a lot going on, it seems like, and a lot of strange things going on. Being followed, you know, handing over the kids because she was apparently worried for her safety. The, even the comments about the devil ringing her continuously. It just, I feel like it's just a lot of very strange things going on. But it, it could have very well been maybe someone that she had interacted with on social media who was actually stalking Stop. her. Yeah. Um. But I feel like it could be equally as likely that this may have been some type of mental health episode, and that maybe she got lost after she abandoned her car and somehow passed away in the elements, or you know, from exposure and just hasn't been found. So how she was like following him to his house, and it seemed like something like suddenly happened, where she like suddenly stopped following TJ to the mom's house. I'd like to know more about if they've looked into her phone calls and messages the night that she disappeared, if someone messaged her. And also when they say they've got all this footage of her traveling in her car to all these different locations, I'd be interested to know if any other cars are seen kind of on the footage if she was being followed. Um, Or even just
0: while she was, like, in the car driving then, like, who were the last messages to? Or even – in the distance if she was the one to drive like that hour to where the car was like was there any phone activity or anything
1: and I'd like to know if she stopped in any of the places that she allegedly drove to like I'm sure that could be verified by her phone data like you know if she was in an area for a few hours or if she was literally driving through and kept driving I feel like there's a lot of things that we don't know and hopefully they know and can work on that in terms of figuring out what happened to Alexis yeah Another one that, yeah, it's just very sad. Like I've just looked now for her case, no new articles. Um, there was one from Oxygen a week ago which just goes into her talking about how the devil wouldn't stop calling her. Mm. Um, and even the comment about her not making it to her 30th birthday seemed strange. Well, it is a strange comment, not seems strange. It's very weird. What reasoning did she have for that? Yeah, especially if she was like a big birthday person. Yeah. So um, that is it for Alexis's case. Hopefully, something will happen soon. Her family are very vocal. I'll link all her social media on the blog if you want to check it out. There is an interesting article that's just come out recently from CNN. The article is titled "Families are living a nightmare as they plead for help finding missing loved ones." So they do highlight in the article three people of color who are missing. There's Daniel Robinson, who we've spoken about in another episode, Alania Lenoir, and Lopez Richardson. Um, an interesting fact of the article is it says, according to 2021 FBI data, black people make up 31% of missing persons reports, but are only 14% of the US population. White people make up 54% of missing person reports and are 76% of the population. So there seems to be a very, um, you know, a gap in that kind of, for the amount of people that there are in terms of how often they're reported missing. Yeah. I I did read in the Dateline articles and on the podcast that they've tried to get an interview with TJ and he hasn't wanted to be interviewed. I don't really blame him to be honest because you know I'm sure he's copped a lot of heat and a lot of you know scrutiny about being involved in the case. Um, yeah, I don't think in that in this case that it's a sign that he knows anymore and he's hiding it. I feel like he's just trying to. play too much else to say. Yeah, exactly. His story's out there. Um, so yeah, it's a very mysterious case. There is quite a bit of information about Alexis's case. I'll put it up on the blog if you want to check it out, but hopefully there'll be some resolution in both of the cases of the missing women soon.
0: So the next thing we're going to talk about, we'll get into some updates. Um, there's been some ongoing controversy with Kylie Rodney's case and adventures with purpose. Um, we kind of discussed, we did an episode on it two episodes ago and then briefly kind of did not update on it last episode. She is the 16-year-old car- girl that was found dead in her car in uh, Prosser Lake after going missing at a big party. I'm sure we all remember. But her mom then put out a statement saying um, her mom is Lindsay Neiman. And she put it on Facebook and said, Let it be known that Adventures with Purpose has not contacted me or Tony a single time throughout this ordeal, not to offer condolences, not when the car was discovered, not once. I'm so tired of hearing how wonderful they are when all they have done is make a spectacle out of my daughter's death on their quest to make themselves heroes. They're not. They will never be my hero. This is meant to be our story, not theirs. Please do not give them the pen or allow them authorship. So, everyone thought that was kind of a strange statement. Um, Adventures of Purpose did say they contacted a family member when they found the car. And
1: I guess it turns out it was. Kylie's father so her parents are divorced there's actually a photo which I think was from the New York Post at the time and it, the caption is Daniel Rodney father of missing Kylie Rodney at the scene where the car and body were discovered so he's looking up to the sky like he obviously looks distraught but right around him are people with Adventures with Purpose t-shirts on so I feel like there's absolutely no doubt that he you know was contacted by Adventures with Purpose or by law enforcement after Adventures with Purpose found the car He knew about it. He was there when they found the car and when they pulled it out. Um, I feel like there must have been some type of lack of communication between maybe him and his ex-wife or law enforcement and the mother.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not Adventures with Purpose's job to figure out their family dynamics or
1: know that they're divorced. I've I've read an article and I'm just kind of paraphrasing now, but Adventures with Purpose basically said they found the car and as soon as they found it, they called law enforcement and they – like and they and I think they did it in Ethan Kaz, Kazmazak's case that we spoke about in the last episode too. They basically tell them they found the car and then it's up to law enforcement and who, you know to decide what happens next. Yeah, you know. So it's um yeah, it was an interesting post. I do feel for the mother. We 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 asked people on our Instagram what they thought about it. We got a lot a lot of responses, probably yeah, most so ever. <laughs> um, I'll read a few of them. Um. Someone said grief and anger may be misplaced. They did a good deed, but it's a sad outcome. And someone else also said they are grieving just misplaced anger, which I think was a very common yeah. thought. I think she since deleted the post. Yeah, yeah, I think she did too.
0: Yeah, so Some- I agree with that. It just.
1: Someone said, I get that she's grieving, but it sounds like kind of a shitty and ungrateful thing to say. Yeah. Um, someone else said there is no rule that they have to say anything to the family. Their job is done. And we had mm-hmm. so many messages about they found Kylie. Kylie could very well still be missing if it wasn't for Adventures with Purpose. So, you know, yeah, which was a very common message. Um, Sorry, peeps, screaming. It is definitely a sign of her grief that she made this message. In the thing I find most interesting, where she talks about it being our story. Um, and this was right around the time that Adventures with Purpose released their video on their website for members only, which does mean they will make some money from it. You know, obviously money. But also money, it's like,
0: obviously you're, she's probably not thinking this, but it's kind of like their main way to make money to, be exactly. to do this stuff.
1: They need money to do these expeditions and these searches. This is how they get their money. Um, like I do kind of see her point in that, in that maybe they shouldn't be, you know, It's not, I don't know if it's profiting, but making money off their daughter's disappearance and recovery. Yeah, to her, that's
0: probably what it feels like. But, Mm. and especially when she's so distraught, like going through grief, like this was such like a tumultuous thing that she went through. It just seems like they're profiting off her daughter's death. And like, you know, there's all these interviews talking about how great eventual purpose is. I can see how it'd be annoying to her, but realistically, they do this for free, technically. And this yeah. is how they make money by filming it, putting it on YouTube, like getting more people involved and more people to know about them so that more people donate so that they could do this with other missing people, too.
1: And they also, I don't think they'd ever actually planned to go and search for Kylie. Like they, I know the statement, they made said something along the lines of basically they hadn't planned, they were on their way to somewhere else, but because this had now been going on for two weeks, they were willing to change their plans and go and search for her. And they found her, searched one day and literally found her the second day within minutes. So um, they yeah, didn't they have to go and search were for her.
0: Reaching out to them.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that this statement from the mother contradicts the other statement that we read in the last episode that we all said was, you know, eloquent and well written about the helpers. We, we, you know, Mm -hmm. we haven't had to look for helpers because people have been volunteering to help us every step of the way. Um, So that goes against that, which is I I do feel for her. I feel like it's just a very spur of the moment post that she wrote out of grief.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So, you know, there's been a lot of people. I did. I, we asked on our Instagram too if people thought it was a fair statement that she'd made. And I think something like 97% of people said they didn't believe it was fair that, you know, essentially Adventures with Purpose has no responsibility to ensure her family are communicating together, which I yeah, agree They, they with. called a the family member. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. In- uh, hopefully, I don't know what I was going to say, hopefully.
0: And this- I feel like, honestly, like, yeah, it's, it's nice that they call the family members and stuff, but, like, I don't even think they have the responsibility to do that. They tell law enforcement, law enforcement should handle the rest. I think it's nice that they even call
1: the family at all. And it sounds like, too, like ev- like everyone knew they were going to be searching there. I knew. I'm in Australia. Their family could have been there if they wanted to be there. You know, I absolutely I understand not wanting to be there because that would be hard as well, but they had the option.
0: When I was looking at clips and stuff for the last episode, There was some of the videos where, like, the family was, like, there while they were searching and stuff and while they were pulling the car out of the water.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's not like she didn't know they were searching. It's not like they just rocked up and didn't tell anyone. It was publicized, very, very well publicized. Yeah. So I feel like this is just a case of family kind of infighting and maybe a lack of communication between estranged partners, which is understandable. Coping with grief. Yeah. So... That's that. Um, people are still
0: coming up with conspiracy theories about Kylie. I know we don't know exactly how she um, died yet or if there was foul play, but in my opinion, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like there's this like big conspiracy going on. But The latest
1: conspiracy theory I've seen is um, one about that apparently she was seen alive the day after she went missing, which I don't think was true. So yeah. So someone actually sent us a message to our Instagram after they had heard us discussing in the last episode about the state that Kylie may have been in. Someone said that basically in their area, they were looking for an 18-year-old guy who went missing. Mm -hmm. They found a man in a pond or a lake, but when they got the body out, they estimated that he was a white male age 50 to 60, whereas the missing person had been a black 18 year old male but it turns out that this was the same person they had to examine him um identify him by fingerprints and this was after two months in cold water so a little bit longer but it just gives you an idea of how disfigured and unrecognizable a body can be after spending time in water and that was cold water so Kylie's was probably warmer may have been a little bit quicker so I absolutely think yeah it's not yeah it would have been a hard identification to make
0: yeah I agree I just it always annoys me with cases like this where it gets like I don't really go on TikTok that much but when like TikTok gets a hold of these things and people are just looking to go viral or to get views and they just make up these crazy conspiracy theories like just fucking let sleeping dogs lie
1: yeah and I feel like this is one of those cases where there are a very large amount of passionate people who think they know a lot about the case and are inserting themselves so it just kind of muddies the waters a little bit yeah and it just like gives
0: all of the true crime community like a bad name because people (laughs) just assume we're all like this and we're not yeah um but yeah that's it with her the last little update we have well I guess pretty big update is about the artesia jane doe that she was
1: identified um your article, Yep, have I've got it up. <clears throat> so, this information came out yesterday, not even 24 hours ago at the time of recording. And basically, they've said that the Artesia Jane Doe, and just to refresh your memory, she was found in Arizona in a, like a cattle watering truck. And she had like a witch's gown and a skull jacket, as well as being surrounded by toys. Mm-hmm. That the Doe had been identified as a 14 year old female named cadence langley i believe that cadence was autistic her mother amber langley who's 38 um is believed to have been in the, involved in the killing and body dump of her daughter apparently cadence was shot execution style in the back of her head the motivation for this seems to be that amber could get rid of her and keep collecting government assistance which for two years was a whole forty seven hundred dollars so that seems like a you know reasonable <laughs> motivation Um, there was some, I'll, I'll post the article on our blog as well. It's, there's a lot of interesting information there about how they actually identified the child. I'll read out just a little bit of it. It says, Sergeant Mark Smith testified about how a tooth, a single hair, and a piece of bone led investigators to Amber Langley, who's the mother, through familial DNA searching. The same type of investigative tool has been used to identify murderers such as the Golden State Killer. So they've said that they sent the tooth and the hair to a lab in California and the bone went to the FBI. And basically that is how they tracked down Amber. Um Apparently, the FBI called Amber on June seventh, twenty twenty two, so just two months ago, and she told them that Cadence was alive and well, and that they were living with Amber's mother in Oregon, where she was actually still in Arizona. Hmm. Um, pretty, pretty
0: easy to prove that that's not true.
1: Yeah. So Amber is sent to be arraigned on September thirteenth. So we'll keep you updated with what happens. In that case it's a very sad ending I, I feel like it's almost exactly what we theorized though that it may have been a child with some type of disability or impairment
0: yeah because I remember I was so hung up on like why did she have these toys with her like did the person bring her all the way out to this like rural area with the toys or did they like bring her body out here and like kind of left the toys as like a little like I'm sorry thing but then it was also like she was 14 years old kind of seemed too old to have to really care about little toys yeah so it it makes sense because that like didn't really make sense for just like a random person killing a random young girl but the fact that it was her mom shows that there was still some sort of i don't i wouldn't say love but some sort of connection there where they
1: cared enough to have toys with them yeah so a very sad update I, like I've seen a lot of discussion about why there are no photos of cadence that have been released I haven't been able to find one either to see what she looked like when she was alive hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about her life I feel like someone will probably have one eventually but it doesn't seem like the mom really cared much to take pictures no if that was if this was the turnout so that is that update we'll keep you updated as her kind of court proceedings go on Yes, yeah, so that is it for this episode. Everything will be on the blog, all
0: the updates, all the pictures. truecrimesocietyblog.com. You can follow us on Instagram at True Society. That's where we post the most updates throughout the day, and you can follow our personal accounts uh, at TCS Olivia and mine Sum underscore. You can find them in the True Crime Society bio. Leave us, I know I said this last time, but leave us some nice reviews because I'm sick of people nitpicking me (laughs) and being quite rude, (laughs) quite rude. So if you want to make me feel a little better and make me not want to quit having a podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I would appreciate um, some nice reviews out there. Um, Do that. Share the podcast. Share it with your friends, uh, your family, whoever likes true crime. Even if they don't like true crime, just share it with them anyways. And check out any of our sponsors. The links will be in the episode description. But you guys can always ask us because I know sometimes it's hard to find the codes if it's like an older episode. So just shoot us a message on Instagram. Don't bother with Facebook because it's just like a nightmare. (laughs) oh my god no ruining our lives (laughs) it's like i don't know the group's fun but just the logistics of facebook are so friggin' irritating yeah but i think that's it um anything else from you (laughs) nope that's it all done hopefully
1: we'll have some resolution on the cases today soon
0: yeah if there's any updates we'll put in clips or whatever um But otherwise, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya.